Good evening, good evening. I already don't posted a video on Facebook Live but about what I feel. The Giants draft, please watch it. Now on this podcast, it's going to be titled, I haven't got two banks yet. Um, John Michael Smith's The Project Disaster Waiting to Happen. Now, I had some audio clips, some scouting reports on John Michael Smith before all this hype. I stand by what I say, and F you to you, NYG, Twitter space mofo who decided to cut me off from your Twitter spaces and shit. Uh, one guy, uh, I doubt it. I doubt it. it Charlie Vacciano had anything to do because he agreed with me on John Michael Schmitz. And that cornerback is an Eli Apple waiting to happen. But this motherfucker right here, I ain't the only one that that said what I saw. I've been waiting for a center for 10 days since Sean O'Hara now. After David Boston was on shit. If you like this Abraham dude, a lot of the reason why he's able to run up the middle is because of Minnesota. And this old boomer motherfucker right here. So, why about this other dude? Oh, there's more giant. He's been created like every year behind Linderbaum. Pro football folk get paid off by the NFL. They know we need a day. Have you seen specifically that has given you, that has made this kid the number one center prospect coming in? Yeah. Uh, he's definitely the number one. I don't think that's there's much debate there unless BB comes out and he wants to center stack. It's funny in my notes. Watch what he said he went about. Um, I have written down three different times. He's tip not me. Bomb. He's not <laughs> bomb. You no. got that right. He ain't lending bomb. Uh, that has made this kid the number one center prospect coming in. Yeah, uh, he's definitely the number one. I don't think that's there's much debate there unless BB comes out and he wants to go to the center stack. It's funny in my notes for my scouting notes for him, I keep I, I have written down three different times he's not Linderbaum. He's not Linderbaum. <laughs> no, I don't I don't see him on that level. And I even wrote Cam Jurgens. I love Cam oh, yeah. last year. I had them rated right next to each other. Um, I thought Jurgens was on Linderbaum's level, and I think he will end up being on the same level uh, down the road, uh, maybe even better. Schmitz is not that guy. Uh, he's not the athlete that those guys are. I think he has more power in his game. Um, he's someone, I just don't see someone like, what Linderbaum and Jerry, one of the main attractions to their game coming out of college for both of them was the ability to get out on the edge post-snap. You don't see a lot of centers that can move like that. And it's a weapon. Uh-huh. Uh, with the way blocking schemes are set up, he's not that guy, Schmitz. But he's someone that can handle the power and the size of NFL defensive tackles right away. Um, we'll see about uh, He's that. not the athlete that those guys are. I think he has more power in his game. Um, he's someone, I just don't see someone like, what Linderbaum and Jerry, one of the main attractions to their game coming out of college for both of them was the ability to get out on the edge post-snap. You don't see a lot of centers that can move like that. And it's a weapon. Uh, with the way blocking schemes are set up, He's not that guy, Schmitz, but he's someone that can handle the power and the size of NFL defensive tackles right away. Um, on an island as a pass rusher, he's allowed two sacks this year. Um, you don't like to see that from a center. 
Um, there's a little too much uh, all or nothing in his game for me to really put him in like any sort of first round, maybe even second round tier. Um, one of my mental. You don't see a lot Minnesota of rain like balls that too. It's a weapon. Uh, with the way blocking schemes are set up, he's not that guy, Schmitz. But he's someone that can handle the power and the size of NFL defensive tackles right away. Um, on an island as a pass rusher, he's allowed two sacks this year. Um, you don't like to see that from a center. Um, there's a little too much uh, all or nothing in his game for me to really put him in like any sort of first round, maybe even second round tier. Um one of my mentors, Dan Shaka, um, he's, he's always taught me when you see an offensive lineman that's falling to the ground often for no reason, right, that's a major red flag. And I see that out of him. Okay. Not every week, but there's a lot of tape on him where he, he winds up on the ground. And that's a little bit of an issue for me when you're talking about the athletic upside. Thank you. And listen to this one. I tweeted it out too. This is ready to go online. Any questions? Yeah, I got one. How about the best network of. You giant fan just hard hit. Don't want to hear the truth and shit. That's all it is. John Michael Schmitz is a senior senior bowling bite. Mm -hmm. He is the second guy that we're talking about on today's show from Minnesota. Uh, you were telling me beforehand that measurement-wise, very similar players. Yes. Now, what gets very odd here, and I, again, I don't want to waste time on the politics of the All-Star Game invites and who got what invite and who did not, I think that there is a bit of a, a big difference between both of these guys as a prospect. I, I watch John Michael Schmitz, and I get a lot of shades, similar shades to what Strongberg brings to the table, which is being an experienced player, mm -hmm. uh, being very technically sound, consistent, but he is not the same level of athlete, and I have a lot of concerns with his upper body strength because there were a number of times where I'm watching him getting popped back, Mm -hmm. He doesn't, he's not a guy who's going to win and excel in hand fighting situations or will finish off reps with his upper consistent, but he is not the same level of athlete. And I have a lot of concerns with his upper body strength because there were a number of times where I'm watching him getting popped back. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, he's not a guy who's going to win and excel in hand fighting situations or will finish off reps with his upper body because he lacks that strength, that to me is an issue for, for, for him as a player. And I think I'm going to be lower on him than most because of those upper body strength uh, concerns. Yeah, so, I mean, the first note that you said, Joe, that I just want to allude to real quick is that him and Stromberg are almost exactly the same size based on preseason measurements. 6'4", right around John Mike Schmitz, 315, uh, 9 and 3 quarter inch hands, so, nine, uh, so almost a 10, 10 inch hands. He's got 32 and 3 eighth inch arms, so right there at 32 and a half, 6 7 wingspan. Going to be 24 years old during draft time, which, no. at center, at offensive line, I'm not really too worried about the age thing, but you know, just something to note, obviously. Uh, for me, Joe, I, I think that he is, and he's a four year starter, right? So this makes sense. 
I think he is just about as consistent a football player as you are going to find in this draft. Like, I think the angles are consistently superb. I think foot quickness is good enough. I think that he can work in an outside zone scheme and he does enough to attack proper leverage and be able to get, get his body into proper positioning. Like, I think he does all those things well. I will agree. Between him and Stromberg, I think Stromberg is the better athlete. I don't think Mike John Schmitz is a bad athlete, though. I just think that he's no. not quite as good, right? Like, he's a... You did that, John. Friend. Like I said, I had strong... Time, which, I ain't the you know, only one that had Stromberg right, though. I'm not really worried about the age thing, but you know, just something to note, obviously. For me, Joe, I, I think that he is... And he's a four-year starter, right? So this makes sense. I think he is just about as consistent a football player as you are going to find in this draft. Like, I think the angles are consistently superb. I think foot quickness is good enough. I think that he can work in an outside zone scheme, and he does enough to attack proper leverage and be able to get, get his body into proper positioning. Like, I think he does all those things well. I will agree. Between him and Stromberg, I think Stromberg is the better athlete. I don't think Mike Dominic Schmitz is a bad athlete, though. I just think that he's no. not quite as good, right? Like, he's a good, solid athlete at the center position. Like, it's, it's good. He's not explosive. He's not, like, you're not going to watch him and go, wow. But at the same That's time, just another word. Wow, stiff. Right, exactly. Like, he's a, he's more of a... He's got a big ball of a slot slow. with limited mobility and athletic skill. And weakness with hand strength. And he Arms will get your quarterback, Six, seven wingspan. That's a nice way of saying. years old during draft time, which, you know, at center, at offensive line, I'm not really too worried about the age thing, but you know, just something to note, obviously. For me, Joe, I, I think that he is, and he's a four-year starter, right? So this makes sense. I think he is just about as consistent a football average. player as you are going to find in this draft. Like, I think the angles are consistently superb. I think foot quickness is good enough. I think that he can work in an outside zone scheme, and he does enough to attack proper leverage and be able to get, get his body into proper position. Like, I think he does all those things well. I will agree. Between him and Stromberg, I think Stromberg is the better athlete. I don't think Mike Dominic Schmitz is a bad athlete, though. I just think that he's no. not quite as good, right? Like, he's a... Good, solid athlete at the center position. Like it's, it's. He's good. not explosive. He's not like you're not gonna watch him and go wow, but at the same time right. you're not gonna watch him and say wow, this guy can't move. Right, exactly. Like he's a, he's more of a. He a like Will Hernandez. Remember him? Who wasn't good like, at home? Nobody's covering. Right, he just works the second level. Michael Schmitz is more a, a smooth athlete. Can we agree on that? Right, like he's not explosive, but he's smooth. Like he gets to his spot yeah. and he gets to it well. And he understands how to attack leverage, which I think is great. I think he does have pretty good hands. But there is a strength development that does need to happen. I agree with you 100% on there. I think his lower body's pretty strong. Like, he can kind of yeah. get his butt down, sink, and anchor pretty well. But I do think when he's caught hand fighting with players at times, he kind of hit and replace that he does have a little bit of a tough time to really establish the inside leverage and be able to work with his upper body. So I think those concerns are, are there. For me, I mean, before the season, I said that I think this kid's a third to fourth round draft pick. And Thank I think, you. I think that he has upside. You know, I tweeted this video out. I, I mean, I, I posted this on Facebook. And put this. That, right? Like, he's not explosively <clears throat> smooth. Like, he gets to his I want my listeners well. to hear this. And he understands how to attack leverage, which I think is great. I think he does have pretty good hands. But there is a strength development that does need to happen. I agree with you 100% on there. I think his lower body's pretty strong. Like, he can kind of yeah. get his butt down, sink, and anchor pretty well. But I do think when he's caught hand fighting with players at times, he kind of hit and replace 
that he does have a little bit of a tough time to really establish the inside leverage and be able to work with his upper body. So I think those are the concerns are, are there. For me, I mean, before the season, I said that I think this kid's a third to fourth round draft pick. And I think, but I think that he has upside. And if you're a third to fourth round draft pick for me, at least in a vacuum, that's me saying he's probably a backup in his first year initially, but then he gets in a proper situation and then he's a starter long-term. And I think that's what John Michael Schmitz is to me. Like, I think that he's a player that's in the right system, in the right situation, could be a solid to good starting center in the NFL. I don't see anything superlative. I don't see a massive upside, but I see a good solid center in the NFL. I'm going to say both with you for his projection. I, I don't see a guy who is going to excel. This isn't a Pro Bowl center. This is somebody who still needs development in his upper body strength. And at the same Thank time, you, it's easy to sit here and say a guy needs to improve his play strength. Does he actually make those improvements? And he, right. does he make it at a rate that will help him exceed the expectations? Mm-hmm. Most More often than not, that usually isn't the case. A lot of times, because it's a really difficult process and it takes multiple off-seasons to build up that strength, to be a more dominant player. So those concerns to me are lingering. Um, I still stick with what I said during summer scouting because like, I don't see much change from what we watched in summer scouting because yeah, we said player. the same exact thing. We yeah. said consistent, smooth player. You put him in, he's going to start, he'll get the job done. He's not going to exceed. He's probably not going to have absolutely you know bottomless lows where you're going to have to you know, cut him or replace him at a certain point. I see him as being like a, a bottom 15 center in the NFL as a starter for a period of time. Like that's the, the expectation for him. Not, not amazing, not bad. So for me, I gave him like a third, fourth round grade similar to you. There's not much uh, difference here with, the, with these two guys. I, <clears throat> excuse me, with these two guys. I, I will say this, though. I do think that John Michael Schmitz is still valuable, though, Joe, because, I mean, there's some bad centers starting the NFL right now, man. <laughs> like, there's some yeah. bad ones right now, brother. Like, I mean – there's a lot of guys, I mean, and that's the fortunate but unfortunate thing for a guy like a John Michael Schmitz is that he might get drafted to a team that says you're better than what we currently have, right? Like, I'm a LA Rams fan, and I, I can't watch Brian Allen play center anymore. Like, I just can't do it. You're you're a, a New York Giants fan. Is, is Nick Gates still the starting center? I don't even know who's <laughs> the starting center. Oh, man, I don't even, I don't even know. I think they've... Uh, there's, yeah, it's not, no not amazing, not bad. So for me, I gave him like a third, fourth round grade similar to you. There's yeah. not much uh, difference here with, the, with these two guys. I, <clears throat> excuse me, with these two guys. I, I will say this, though. I do think that John Michael Schmitz is still valuable, though, Joe, because, I mean, there's some bad centers starting the NFL right now, man. <laughs> like, there's some yeah. bad ones right now, brother. Like, I mean, there's a lot of guys. I mean, and that's the fortunate but unfortunate thing for a guy like a John Michael Schmitz is that he might get drafted to a team that says – you're better than what we currently have, right? Like, I'm a LA Rams fan, and I, I can't watch Brian Allen play center. Anymore. Even the Rams ain't bite on that cool. A New York Giants fan. Is is Nick Gates still the starting center? I don't even know who the starting center is for the Giants. Oh, Rams Gates, Nick Gates, get on back. A couple guys in yeah. I mean, it's just, and this is a whole offensive line issue in the NFL right now. This isn't. You're better than what we currently have, right? Like, I'm a. I'll play Rams fan, and I, I can't watch Brian Allen play center anymore. Like, I just can't do it. You're, you're a, 
a New York Giants fan. Is is Nick Gates still the starting center? I don't even know who the starting center is for the Giants. Oh man, anymore. I don't even I don't even know. <laughs> I think they've swapped a couple guys in yeah. and out. I mean, it's just, and this is a whole offensive line issue in the NFL right now. This isn't just a center issue, but there's just not a good enough. There's not enough good offensive linemen in the NFL. So this type of kid. Uh-huh. Feeling healthy, my leaves. <clears throat> and I know John Mayer had something to do with that that project. Disaster waiting to happen. It's going to be good for him, but I do think that landing in the right situation is going to be very beneficial to him. Because, I mean, couldn't you see him getting dropped into a. Like, I mean, this is one thing about Creed Humphrey that we talked about, right? Kansas City Chiefs was a perfect situation for him, though. It was. It was a perfect situation. You have the best quarterback in the world behind you. You have some good players around you as well. I mean, Creed Humphrey's a really good football player, but he also landed into a very advantageous situation to be successful. And I think that's what John Michael Schmitz needs. Again, I'm not comparing him. I mean, because, I again, I have a third or the fourth round grade on John Michael Schmitz. I have a second round grade on Creed Humphrey. So I, 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 I do value Creed higher in a vacuum than I do John Michael Schmitz coming out. It's just I, my point is, though, is that especially at center, what's working around you can be very important and beneficial to you, especially yeah. early on. So being able to drop into maybe a veteran late in offensive line where you might be the missing piece of consistency for the offensive line. I think that that could be big and beneficial for John Michael Schmitz, who I do think is a pretty scheme versatile player, right? Like I think the movement skills are good enough. I think the power profile, at least from a lower body perspective is good enough where he can play in his zone scheme. He can play in a man blocking scheme. I, I, I really do like him. It's just, I, I, again, I think that there is a cap to how good he is. I don't think that he's that pro bowl level player in a, in a vacuum. I, for whatever reason, think, and you, you kind of said this, that a, a center-hungry team, for, I, just, I don't know why, but he feels like a guy that could sneak into the end of the first round because a team really needs a center, and we see it every year where like teams make their evaluations based on floor rather than projection. Like He just feels so much like a floor guy. That safe, yeah. High, yeah, like high floor, so a team's like, well, we don't want to risk a, another guy, but we want say Strongberg is off the board. They they just want like a safe player that steps in. If Cole Strange could unexpectedly go where he went, I think it's possible. Like I think it's it's definitely possible for him to sneak in that early or maybe early second round for a team that just really badly needs a center. I, I can buy a second round with him. First, I, I'm out, but I think second round that is very possible. I mean, because one thing that we haven't talked about, Joe, and I mean. I mean, I think John Michael Schmitz and Ricky Stromberg could both play guard in a pinch, right? Like, I wouldn't say they're both, like, just just centers, right? Like, strictly yeah. centers. But for the center class right now, there's, there's a lot of question marks, man. Like, I thought it was going to be really good going into the year. But then I feel like some guys didn't take a massive step forward that you anticipated. I mean, after Stromberg, for me, it's like there's kind of a bucket of John Michael Schmitz and Jared Patterson and Alex Forsyth and – uh, Olo Atimi from Michigan is a guy that I know some people like. Like, there's a lot of guys, but I don't think there's any definitive pecking order for the center position right now. So, that all that to say is that I believe that you might be right in the sense that he maybe gets overdrafted because there's a need and there's not a clear mm -hmm. cut second, third, fourth option at center. Like, I just think there's a very middling group that you still have to figure out where kind of the pecking order for that group is. Yeah, somebody will definitely value him way higher than everyone else does, and that's that's kind of my 
Okay. My point, but and yes. I mean, just a quick note is that Joe Titman from Wisconsin's a guy that already declared for the draft. Luke Whitler, Ohio State, I think, is a player that we both liked in the summer, and he's a guy that apparently is wrestling with the idea to declare early as well. So, how much do players like that, I guess, change the pecking order? Is going to be another thing to kind of keep eyes on moving forward. Yeah, we are going to spend. The entire cycle, it's early. The season for the NFL hasn't even ended yet, so we don't even know what the draft order is going to be. Uh, but we're going to start spending more and more time breaking down and figuring out what the pecking order is going to be. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out. Uh, at Joe DeLeo and at Rise and Draft. Also, make sure you head on over to Bet Online, which is our presenting sponsor. Best place to place your bets, betonline.ag. Use promo code BELIEVE. B-L-E-A-V for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that is betonline.ag. Folks, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with more prospect breakdowns throughout the cycle. So make sure you're tuned in. are your bargaining power securing savings and providing more choices than ever before helping you access quality care you can afford but while health insurance providers are working to make health care more affordable big pharma is spending millions of dollars on drug pricing distractions designed to weaken your bargaining power and keep prescription drug prices high protect your bargaining power help make health care more affordable reject big pharma's drug pricing distractions are you still using your hands when you put on your shoes? Step in the future like I did with new hands-free Skechers slip-ins. I just slip in and they're on. The secret is slip-ins have an invisible built-in shoehorn so your foot slides into place without bending down or touching my shoes. Then the heel pillow technology helps keep my foot comfy and secure. So they're easy and comfy and they come in all types of styles with and without laces. Plus, they're machine washable. So quit being one of those hands people when you put on your shoes and try Skechers slip-ins. We're back here on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by my co-host and good friend, Ryan Roberts. Today, we've got centers. We've transitioned from talking about the NFL Combine. We've had a couple different things that we've had stops to discuss, but we are in full ranking mode right now, man. We are going full charge ahead as we're going to do centers, and we're going to start doing these position rankings a little bit more rapid fire as we eventually, eventually we'll do some team-by-team team analysis for who each team should be selecting and some of the targets that they should potentially have. But as I said, today we are doing centers for today's episode. We did guards, we've done linebackers, we've done running backs. Make sure you go check those out so you don't miss them. Ryan, are you excited to talk about centers today? It, it's actually got some decent talent at the top. For the top, these top fives, I think there's uh, there's some pretty talented players in the mix. No, it, it's, actually, it's actually a really talented like top five to six players in this class, in my opinion, it's just the fact that it tapers off after that so quick, man. Like, if, yeah. if you want a starter, like a no doubt starter for one to two years in their career, you need to get one of these top three to four, in my opinion. Like, you need to get one of those guys. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it'd be a little bit of a tough situation. So, like, I like the top of the center class. I just think the depth isn't quite as good as maybe we've seen over the last couple of years. But there's some, there's some names at the top, man, that I would want starting for my football team in the next level. For sure. Yeah, I, I think that all these top five guys in the way that I rank them, I'd be willing to plug them in as, as starters. 
at some point or another. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, do you want to start us off? I usually start us off with our with the first guy, but do you want to go first? I can go first, man, because I actually um, I threw a little bit of a curveball in here, a little bit of a wrench at number mm-hmm. five. So after number four, I'm just looking at my list and just like, man, there's not really another center that I love like in this class. There's not. But there is a kid that I evaluated actually pretty recently in the last few days who plays tackle in college, but I'm watching his film. I'm just like, man, that's a center. Like he just moves like a center. He's got kind of that quick explosiveness out of his stance. He's got a nice movement skills, but he's not the biggest guy of all time. And I'm talking about Braden Daniels from Utah is the guy that I'm talking about. Who's starting left tackle. Oh. Utah. Joe, six foot four and an eight, 294 pounds, smaller kid, man. He's definitely got more of an interior yeah. build. He's only got 33 inch arms as well. So like not incredible length, although his reach is decent. But he went to the combine, man. He ran 499 in the 40. He's a really smooth athlete. I just don't think he has the body type or the profile to play on the outside. I think he's an interior player. And when you ask me, what are some of the important things that I need from a center? It's quickness out of the stance, the ability to work up field shoulders, and to really kind of get to the second level. That's Brady Daniels to me, man. Like, he's got a lot of traits that I look like, and I'm like, that kid could be a guard, could be a center. But as a center, especially in like an outside zone heavy type of scheme, I think Brady Daniels has a lot of traits to really get excited about on day three, man. I think he's got a lot of upside for that position. You're absolutely right. I would not have guessed that it was Brayden Daniels. I have Brayden Daniels ranked as a guard, and he was out of uh, outside of my top five for guards. I think with him, he's a very developmental player. Yes. He is somebody who, as you talked about, isn't really fully as far along as he could be. I think physically for him... I see center. Regardless, I think he bumps inside. I don't know if it's at center uh, or at guard. But I saw some issues with strength. Yeah. That was what concerned me. But the movement skills, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that he's got all of that. And I think that he does have a developing power profile, obviously. Like, he's not the strongest guy in the world, which is why I hesitated him as guard a little bit. Because any guard, you have to be a little bit more proficient with power in tight spaces. I don't think that's yeah. Brandon Daniels. So, like, if he was a guard for a team at the next level... I think teams would have to like really have the long term out there, right? Like long term, we got to put another fifteen to twenty pounds in this kid, get that power profile working. I think as a center man, like yeah, he needs to get a little bit stronger still, but like he's got that wiry frame where I'm like, you put five pounds on him and you're in a very heavy inside zone, outside zone type of scheme where you're asking your centers to get up to the second level. That's very Daniels to me, man. I like him. He would be my the, the guys above him are more known commodities in this class. Brandon Daniels is my guy. Like, if I need a developmental center on day three, a guy that maybe can play a different, couple different positions, but also develop into maybe my future starter at center, Brandon Daniels will be my pick, man. He's my developmental center in this class. I like the outlook there because it... But I saw some issues with strength. Yeah. That was what concerned me. But the movement skills, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that he's got all of that. And I think that he does have a developing power profile, obviously. Like, he's not the strongest guy in the world, which is why I hesitated him as guard a little bit. Because any guard, you have to be a little bit more proficient with power in tight spaces. Uh-huh. I don't think that's yeah. Brandon Daniels. So, like, if he was a guard for a team at the next level... I think teams would have to like really have the long term out there, right? Like long term, we got to put a who eats out. I, to 20 let me roll it back. So, oh, he's the out. The mistake could, could be a center, but as a center, especially in like an outside zone heavy type of scheme, 
I think Braden Daniels has a lot of traits to really get excited about. Oh, Braden Daniels. I think he's got a lot of upside to that position. You're absolutely right. I would not have guessed that it was Braden Daniels. I have Braden Daniels ranked as a guard, and he was out of out, outside of my top five for guards. I think with him, he's a very developmental player. Yes. He is somebody who, as you talked about, isn't really fully as far along as he could be. I think physically for him, I see center. Regardless, I think he bumps inside. I don't know if it's at center uh, or at guard. But I saw some issues with strength. Yeah. That was what concerned me. But the movement skills, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that he's got all of that. And I think that he does have a developing power profile, obviously. Like, he's not the strongest guy in the world, which is why I hesitated him as guard a little bit. Because any guard, you have to be a little bit more proficient with power in tight spaces. I don't think that's Brandon yeah. Daniels. So, like, if he was a guard for a team at the next level, I think teams would have to, like, really have the long term out there, right? Like, long term, we got to put another 15 to 20 pounds in this game. Yeah, no, get that good. power profile working. Oh, no, this I think is the center, man. Like, yeah, he needs to get a little bit stronger still, but, like, he's got that wiry frame where I'm like, you put five pounds on him and you're in a very heavy inside zone, outside zone type of scheme where you're asking your centers to get up to the second level. That's Brandon Daniels to me, man. I like him. He would be my. The, the guys above him are more known commodities in this class. Brandon Daniels is my guy. Like, if I need a developmental center on day three, a guy that maybe can play a different, couple different positions, but also develop into maybe my future starter at center, Brandon Daniels would be my pick, man. He's my developmental center in this class. I like the outlook there because I think the aspect of this that makes him more of a center than a guard is what you said, where he's not even 300 pounds. And he does have a little bit of a light, in a way, a wiry frame yes. for an offensive lineman. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I like that. Uh, that's a un- That was who I thought was going to be the case. So, Jared Patterson does make my fifth spot here on my center rankings. Look. Let me hear what they say about Patterson. Brandon Daniels is my guy. Like, if I need a developmental center on day three, a guy that maybe can play double for different. Brandon Daniels would be my pick, man. He's my developmental center in this class. I like the outlook there because I think the aspect of this that makes him more of a center than a guard is what you said, where he's not even 300 pounds and he does have a little bit of a light, in a way, a wiry frame yes. for an offensive lineman. So, yeah, no, I, I like that. I, that's a unique perspective, and now it kind of has me rethinking, not if you go in my top five, but if I should rank him as a center instead of a guard because – I think that's a good point. I like to steal things from you, Ryan. Yes. Um, you're, you're a smart man. Make... You're a smart man, then, man. Smart man. <laughs> I'm curious who didn't make your top five, though. Oh. But I would like to start off my top five with Jared Patterson. That's, who that, I have as that's my... who didn't make my top five, so there you go. Yeah. That was who I thought was going to be the case. So Jared Patterson does make my fifth spot here on my center rankings. Look, he was a very complicated evaluation and someone overall who I think has had a bit of a tumble during this draft cycle since the beginning of the season, I argue negatively impacted him making a transition to guard because he's not a guard. He doesn't have the length to play guard. He doesn't have the movement skills to play guard. He doesn't have the flexibility. He's a better center, but I don't really know what version of Jarrett Patterson I'm getting at center. Well, we saw some, some reps at the senior bowl. I thought he looked pretty clean. I thought he looked more comfortable at center. I think asking him, to block down on guys, he's just not going to be able to get there. But what we know with Jared Patterson is that 
He's a really smart player. He plays with good angles. Uh, he plays with good technique. Where I am halted and why I have him graded, I think I want to say he's probably going to be a little bit outside of my top 150, just on the outside of my top 150. Um, I, I just struggle with the strength, or not the strength, rather the flexibility and the ability to move easily and to be able to reach and make certain blocks because of uh, some of those issues. He, uh, man, it really pains me about Jared Patterson because you remember when we did Locked on Irish a couple years ago, Joe. Like, I really like Jared Patterson, yeah. and Jared Patterson had some, had some fans early on in this process, you know, when he was a redshirt sophomore at that point. Just simply, man, where we are, like, he's had a lot of injuries in his career, you know, a lot of durability stuff, and I feel like that zapped him with athleticism because when he was younger, man, I was like, that kid is a outside zone, inside zone type of center, a guy that can work to the second level, he just lost it, man. Like, he just doesn't have that athleticism anymore. He's now went from a really He gets to the right team here. Um, he'll be solid at that. He's a utility player. back up multiple spots. Kind of an alignment versatile player and a swing player. Well, I'll just say the same thing. Yeah, I, I hope that he can be a starter, and I think that he's still, if we go off of the center tape, he is possibly a starting center, possibly, but it's a big if. I just think that the four guys I have graded ahead of him are a lot more explosive yes. and are much better with their power and can move a lot easier, which is why I'm excited about the remaining guys. So who is your number four on this list? I have Luke Whipler from Ohio State. Measured in 6'2", 5'8", 303 pounds, 31 and 5'8". So he's a smaller center. Like He doesn't have a ton of length to him, and he's sub 6'3". But the thing that I really like about Luke Whipler is he is a really nice athlete, man. He can move laterally well, takes good angles as far as his ability to cut off blocks from the front side uh -huh. from the back side. Little bit scheme specific in my opinion, right? Like a bunch of gap power schemes aren't going to love Luke Whipler at center. But for teams that really, really like to get offensive linemen on the move, working in space a ton, and really hone in on lateral quickness – I like Luke Whipler. I think he's a starting level potential player. It's just he's a little more scheme specific than maybe a couple guys a little mm -hmm. higher on the list for me. But he's a good football player, man. Power profile needs to continue to improve. But as far as just athletes on the list, Whipler can move, man. He can really move. Before we continue on with this video, I just want to tell you folks about an exciting new partnership that we have. My rankings in a second. I don't see a lot of negatives in a Luke Whipler's game. You hit the nail on the head with easy mover. Um, I think he's a great athlete. I think he is a really, really good athlete for a center. Yeah. And sometimes we always assume that the best athletes are going to be playing. These guys that lack length, you put them at center, you let them go to work. He plays with great angles that you said, and he moves with an efficiency that puts him in a position to take advantage of those angles. I think he gets to the second level really well. He in a zone scheme, I think, is going to be so, so great. Again, my main knock on him is not being like a super massive displacement guy because he's not as big in the size thing. He's not, you know, he's not 6'5". He doesn't need to be. But as you mentioned here, I think he is a zone-specific center. Um, if he bulks up and maybe adds a little bit more power to him, which I don't even know if I really want him to do that, that might limit his ability to move. But I'm a really big fan of Luke Whipler. I, I gave him a, a top 100 grade. I was that big of a fan of him. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, man, he's, he's a good football player. Like I said, he... Moves really well. We'll see with the power profile how that develops. But like, this is where the this is where the NFL is really kind of shifting to, right? Like, that's why you know the the 
kid that came out of Iowa last year, his name's escaped me for some reason. Uh, Tyler, Tyler Linderbaum. Linderbaum and the Garrett Bradbury's and David Andrews. Like that's why those that type of center keeps popping up more and more. Like they're losing the size profile as much as they, they used to have, but now they're really honing in on like, man, we need guys that move. We need guys that can work up to the second level. That's what Luke Whipler is to me, man. So yeah, number four for me, um, just a good football player in general. Yeah, and especially in the modern NFL when we have to chase down faster and faster linebackers and sometimes defensive backs playing linebacker uh-huh. are good athletes in the interior, especially at center, because it's underrated, possibly one of the most important positions on the field that doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, my number four, though, is one of the darlings of this class, John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota. Whoa! Uh, I, Whoa. I, I was a, My projection on him is a little bit more optimistic than I had at the beginning of this cycle. I have a, a top 100 grade or just outside my top 100 as a second round pick uh, for him. What we get with John Michael Schmitz is the epitome of consistency. You know what you're getting from John Michael Schmitz every single rep. Good technique, good placement, good positioning. Yeah. I don't think that he is an elite athlete or like even like a great, great athlete. He's a good athlete. And that's what helps him succeed with Technique placement coupled with him being able to move enough behind that understanding of angles and how to win in various reps. And we saw that at the Senior Bowl. We saw him just play with really good footwork, a really good base, uh, really good leg drive. That's what excites people about John Michael Schmitz. And I really do believe that John Michael Schmitz is going to be a starting center at the next level. I think he's got everything that you need. My only negative on him. He's an older player, and I think that he is as close to a finished product as he's going to be. I, I don't see anything physically for me that I'm like, wow, this guy, give him a little bit of time, and he's going to be even better than he is right now. I think he's at where he's going Thank to be. Thank you. That's what we've talked about a lot with John Michael Schwartz. He's mediocre. I a project, wait, a project disaster waiting uh, to happen. NFL draft media out there. I just don't want to give a huge amount of stock to put him as my top-ranked center if he's a finished product. He's going to start. He's going to be a good starter. But I think there's more you upside than the guys that I have ranked. It's interesting, Joe. I'm a little higher on John Michael Schmitz than you are, man. So I don't want to say how much higher, but a little, a little bit higher. Uh-oh. A little bit higher. <laughs> Just a little bit. Well, give your thoughts on John, John Michael Schmitz as we can. On the other well, you said he's fourth ranked. I don't think he's as good as athlete as a couple of players on this list. I, I don't. But I, what I think that John Michael Schmitz does really well is that his angles that he takes as a mover is fantastic. You know, like he's able to cut guys off because I think that his he's just pristine from a technical perspective. And, man, his power profile is the best of any player on this list, in my opinion, that I have at least. Man, when he sits down on power, it's cut off. Like, it is absolutely mm-hmm. cut off. He's got that physical style where at Minnesota, he was able to do some gap stuff, some power stuff. But he's also to work some inside outside zone. He's he, I think he's just a good player all around. No, did we pull it down? So you saying that you're higher One than month than ago. Than I am? Yeah. Offensive line when we've got a guy who just always blocks somebody. He's yes. always getting his, his job done and he's succeeding. I think it's a, it's definitely more nuanced than that, and I know you agree with that. Yeah. Um, and again, I understand the value of John Michael Schmitz. I think my counterpoint to you, to you saying that you're higher on John, John Michael Schmitz than I am, yeah. 
I think I'm higher on the center class overall. I, I think you That's are. That's my I think you are. Like, I like Luke Whipler, but I feel like you are, like, <laughs> really high on Luke Whipler. Like, that's what I feel like right now. I'm actually not that high on Luke Whipler because he is my third third ranked guy. So it's not like I'm, like, crazy high on him. I don't think there's much separation between these two. I have, in my eyes, John Michael Schmitz as a late second, early third, and then Luke Whipler as uh, a second-round pick. I see him as a second round pick, no higher. My center ranked. Wait, wait, no, wait. We need to get to your number thirty guy. Number third guy. My number three guy. Yes, is Joe Tittman from Wisconsin, who I like a lot. Man, he's got a really funky build though for a center. I mean, he's listed at six foot. Hmm. Not listed. He was verified at six foot six and three hundred thirteen pounds with an eighty and three eighth inch wingspan. So his arm length wasn't great, but like his his full wingspan was actually pretty good. For the center position, man, you don't see guys that are usually that big. And I know when he was asked at the combine about like playing with leverage, playing with pad level, he admitted that that's something that he worked, he has to work on a lot. He'd be perfect for the Jordan Davis, six six for you know? the Eagle D so, line. But I really and the athleticism is what sells. And, and, and Mika Parsons and throwing them to the ground. Well, I, I was honestly a little surprised, Joe. I don't know if you felt this way, but I was surprised that Wisconsin didn't try to play him as like a tackle. I mean, honestly, as a, as a college offensive tackle, because he has the skill set to play offensive tackle yeah. in college. Like, there's no uh -huh. doubt. I remember when I was talking to Lorenz about him in the preseason. Lorenz also likes him a lot. But Lorenz is like, why don't they play him at, like, right tackle with that length? And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm not really sure why. But regardless, he is a really nice athlete, crisp. He has good hand violence, I believe. I think there's decent pop in his hands. But, I mean, athleticism, length, he's got range as a blocker. All that stuff is really nice. I think his power profile is solid. I just think that the, the power profile is hurt a little bit just for the simple fact that his center of gravity is so high because he's such a taller center. But I think he's a starting caliber player at the next level, which is why I have him as a third overall player. And I have a, a late two on him. So I think he's a firm second round type of player. I'm very high on Joe Tittman. I really, really like Joe Tittman, who is my second ranked center, who I almost bulldozed my way into talking about. Uh, Tittman, though, what I love about him, you're right, the size is a little odd because he's as big as he is, and maybe he could play guard. Well, so that's part of my argument here is that I think that Tittman can play guard at the next level if he's asked to, so that positional versatility is a positive. What I got excited about with that size is how easily he moves for that size. He does not look like a 6'6", 315-pound center the way that he's able to move. I also thought that like the displacement power and the strength that he possesses, the natural strength that he has and brings to the position is really fun. It's really excited, exciting. And there are a couple of times where like, I really saw him put, you know, really take somebody out of a play because of the power that he brings to the position. So I think with all those physical traits, that's good enough for me to take him early on in the second round as my second rank center. The only drawback and you kind of hit on it is that his, positioning and his angles they're not great i see somebody who's still getting comfortable with playing the position at a high level and he might take a little bit of time before he reaches his potential but he still has a lot of really good film out there that i'm not too worried that it, at the very least of what product he puts out now is going to be quality play uh, in his rookie season i will say one thing that also excited me is i noticed when he is out of position and he does make a mistake and he's not in the greatest spot, his flexibility is great. And his length allows for him 
to redirect easily and recover easily. So that's one of the big things why I have him ranked where he is and ahead of uh, John Michael Schmitz, who I assume is your number two guy. John Michael Schmitz is my number two guy. Joe, quick quick uh, one here. Ready? The he would yeah. be Joe Titman is um, one of only one, two, three, four, five, six centers ever since 1999 that were 6'6 or taller. Literally only six guys that are that tall. Yeah, that's a rare breed a at that they position. Like other guys that are listed here. Uh, Chad Wheeler's one from USC. Mike Deggery out of Florida. I don't even know who that is. Eric Cook out of New Mexico. Don't know who that is. Graham Glasgow's a good one. He's a good player. Yeah. And Ethan, Frank Ethan right Posick out of uh, Posick. 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 Shall we pronounce his name? Yeah. I remember so, that name. It was kind of stiff, though. Yeah. Not, not a great list, but regardless, I think that we're both high. Because Ragnow was on there, right? Or is he 6'5"? Ragnow's 6'5". He's 6'5". Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But regardless, a little bit of an outlier, I guess, as far as him being a taller center. But yeah, John Michael Schmitz. Sorry, you know how my brain works sometimes, man. John Michael Schmitz. I already talked about a little bit, but uh, a lot actually. He is just so physical, man. So dependable. I feel like Duh, Joe definitely has a higher upside than John Michael Schmitz. I would not argue against that at all. But the floor, I think, is considerably higher, man. Like I think John Michael oh, Schmitz yeah. is the guy that, like, you throw in there day one is just like good player, man. Like, what are you gonna say about it? Like. There's just not a lot of holes in his game as far as take proper angles, physical, dependable, a lot of years of experience. Just going to be a good starting center, man. I had a, I had a solid second-round grade on him. I think he's just a good, good football player, man. That's just all it is. Four yeah, months ago, you, three months uh, prior to that, you ain't <laughs> say that. Takeaway is that. I'm just more excited about this center class and those, those top four guys outside of Patterson who I was not that excited about. You wrong about pass. But at the same time, he's really freaking flexible. He moves very, very easily for his size. But most importantly, man, he's got some some great displacement power. Yes. He can really, really push some guys off the ball. He can put some guys into the ground. He's got all of that. You should hit him up. Should. You should hit him up. Hit him up. Because this is the Ricky Stromberg fanboy podcast. Because we love oh, let him out, so Stromberg. I liked him too. Oh, yeah, that's just all it is. Yeah, no disagreements there. Uh, again, I, I think the biggest takeaway is that I'm just more excited about this center class and those those top four guys outside of Patterson, who I was not that excited about. I have all second uh, second round or late second round, early third round grades, and all those guys. Like, I, I think that there might be a run on centers once the first guy goes. Yeah. And maybe we don't get somebody that goes in the first round. But our top guy that we both have as number one, and apparently we're the only entity out there that is this high on Ricky Stromberg. We should try and get Ricky Stromberg on the podcast. I know it's sad. Ricky Stromberg. You should hit him up. Should. You should hit him up. Hit him up. Because this is the Ricky Stromberg fanboy podcast because we love Ricky Stromberg so much. Look, it has been said multiple times on this show. I don't understand the confusion over Ricky Stromberg. I have said this before, and I said this last week, that he's the Creed Humphrey of the class. He's getting overthought or just not getting enough attention uh -huh. when he deserves uh, more focus as being one of the more talented players in, this, in the class. I think you can pop that. Don't know why I can't speak to that. <laughs> I think if you combine the positives of John Michael Schmitz and the positives of a Joe Tittman slash Luke Whippler, who are the younger, more athletic guys and the more technically sound guys, you get Ricky Stromberg. 
I get a guy who's very smart, who's got great football IQ, that knows where he needs to be, but at the same time, is really freaking flexible. He moves very, very easily for his size. But most importantly, man, he's got some some great displacement power. Yes. He can really, really push some guys off the ball. He can put some guys into the ground. He's got all of that. And he's going up against the biggest dudes on the defense. Yeah, he don't say it about John Michael Smith. I'm tired of overthinking him. Stop overthinking him. Please stop overthinking him, people. He, he's Joe, he might be the number one guy in this draft this year for me where I just don't And he really gonna get a work uh, he gonna go against Deron Payne and practice. They like him. <laughs> like I haven't heard anybody that's like, hey, I don't really see it. Like I haven't heard that conversation at all. It's just for whatever reason, man. Like it just isn't talked about as much, but profile six foot three and an eighth, 306 pounds, 33 and a quarter inch arms, which is, that's pretty nice. Joe, you want to hear a crazy stat? Here's a crazy stat for you. Ricky Strauber at six, three and an eighth has the same exact wingspan as Joe Titman does at six foot six, same exact uh, wingspan. Nuts. And he tested like a phenomenal athlete, man. Like five, two, six and a 40 isn't great. I mean, it's solid, but, like, he tested really well from a explosiveness perspective. Like, he did all that stuff. And he's only 20. He didn't do, yeah. he didn't do any of the agility drills, did he? I don't think he did the agility drills, but he did all the explosive stuff. And I'm just, like, mm -hmm. broad jump and everything. I'm just like, yeah, man, kid can play, brother. And I think his 10-yard split was really good, too, if I remember. And then he goes to the, the field drills, and, like, I'm just, I'm still, I'm still pondering. I'm like, why are no, why is nobody talking about him? I just don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, he's a multi-year starter. I think he's a three-year starter in the SEC. Has length at the position. Has athleticism at the position. Has strength at the position. Like, what am I missing here where people don't see him as a starter? I give him a late Bad scouts. I think he's a really good player. Same. I think he's I think he's really good. Really good player. I, I have him as a top 50 prospect. Um, and essentially is one of my higher graded top 50 prospects i i would take him in the end of the first round i just i don't understand it i wouldn't go that point. far i can understand the drawbacks on some of these other guys like i can understand the drawbacks of a whippler and a tipman why maybe some people would have them lower i can understand why some people would have a john michael schmidt lower because i technically have him lower because i am discounting some of his athletic ceiling but I just don't understand. I, I, it's one of the few times where I can't sit here and understand both sides of the argument. I always try to approach this with every prospect that I do or, or anything in general. I always try to find the opposite end of the argument and figure out, okay, where can we look at this? And I don't, I don't see it with him. Just doesn't make any sense to me, Ryan. Joe, uh, I mean, if, if if you can't make sense of it, I can't make sense of it. I don't know, man. Because like again, like people fall. Stop hating. <laughs> All right, that's another report. Confirm he met with the Cardinal. Look at him. Even the Cardinals passed on that food. Sign up now and get one.
with uh, Seahawks, Jets, Washington, Cowboys, uh, Cardinals, Chargers. He met with all of giant fans. Cowboys, Commanders, Seahawks, Cardinals, obvious. They all passed up on his act. They know he ain't no damn good. Foremost with uh, Seahawks, Jets, I mean, I the Washington, the Cowboys, the, and, and look, the Jets, the Jets don't tip, tip me with batting shit. That ought to tell you something right there. He ain't no good. But y'all learn. Uh, foremost with uh, Seahawks, Jets, I mean, I one of the Washington, the Cowboys, uh, uh, Cardinals, Chargers. Can you tell me more about the Cowboys and how you feel like you fit on them? I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable playing uh, all three interior positions. Whatever a team needs me to play, uh, whatever a team needs me to do, I'll, I'll do it. Jerry Jones, like, hail to Nate. It's, it's like no one else, so uh, the way I play is, 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 is I don't take a playoff, so I'm going to finish each and every play. I just hit my leadership at the end of the day, how, I, uh, how I'm able to uh, lead a group of guys so goddamn thirsty and shit. Here go another. Who I did my scout report. Y'all don't believe what I say because I'm a, a woman. But I'm a woman who knows herself when it kind of drags. We have over 40 different prospects already made on the playlist as well as positional rankings coming out with over 30. I'm the same one that called that said the truth about Daniel Jones when we dragged. That he a sloppy project. I'm the one that said we should drag Dexter Lawrence. Who really an offensive line destroyer. He just. Strength for Schmitz. He's a big, lengthy center who's a consistent, dominant player and a dominant run blocker. He's a lead blocker and a downfield blocker who can get to the second level. He's a child saying this, man. He has a great fit. I don't want to hear what a child guy say. Uh-oh, a Jets report. Locked on Jets. John Michael Smith and Joe. I think they are more credible. That's why the JTS said fuck this motherfucker and took Tipman instead and shit. The Jets have some work to do on their offensive line, especially... I said the Jets needed a sense. We still have no idea who the starting center in 2023 is going to be for this team, but there are a couple of intriguing draft prospects. And I'll tell you who they are today on the Locked On Jets podcast. To the show on YouTube. Break it down. Get your podcast so that, you, so that you'll get new episodes as soon as they are posted. Tough to believe the NFL draft begins one week from tonight. It has been a strange offseason for the Jets. And one of the reasons it's been strange is they have not made a ton of upgrades. And in some areas, they, they have some pretty big holes because guys have either departed or not been re-signed. And exceptions there oh five Mawire was injured for most of the season but for the better part of 18 19 years the Jets had elite center play now do you need dominant center play in today's NFL to win there's not really a position outside of quarterback where you need a dominant player I mean really what you need are dominant players somewhere um, and outside of that where they play doesn't matter as much 
I think you can make a very strong argument that center play is less important than it was in the Mawai Mangold days. And the reason for yeah, that hey, is just the evolution of NFL schemes. Um, you know, back in the Mawai Mangold days, uh, the dominant defense in the NFL was the 3 4 defense. And one of the state. You talk too much. Get too quiet. They don't have guys lined up across from the center as much. They don't have guys whose job. <sighs> He's pretty smart. You know, he, he, I think he reads he reads his assignments pretty well. He's pretty quick to react. There's a lot that Schmitz brings to the table. So he's a guy who I think you know, a lot of people are slotting him in at either 42 or 43 for the Jets for those reasons. A lot of people view him as a plug-and-play type player. And I have to tell you, I'm not as excited about Schmitz as I thought I would be. And Age has something to do with it. He is 24 years old, which of course is not old for NFL ter- in NFL terms, not by any stretch of the imagination, but it makes him an, o- an older prospect. So why am I concerned with an older prospect? And you'll hear this sometimes from draft analysts. You'll hear the age is a concern. Now part of this, and this is a small part of it, is when you draft an older player, his prime is not as long. You know, you, you essentially are getting him, you're getting him and you're not getting as many good years out of him because the older you are, the closer to the end of your career you are. I tend to think that this aspect gets a little overstated. Because I think about some of the older prospects the Jets have drafted through the years. Uh, Marcus May was one of them. You know, he was pretty good. Didn't matter that he was an older prospect. Sione Puha, back in 2005. Excellent player for the Jets. Again, maybe not how he did to uh, react to everything that happened a couple of years ago with you know, the seasons being changed and all that. But... One of the things that happens is now suddenly these guys are older and they're playing against less developed players. And one of the things that concerns me a little bit, now he was an all-conference player his second to last year, but as far as I could find, he really only started dominating this past year when he was the oldest guy on the field. And, you know, you're 23 going up against 20-year-olds. I think that that does make a difference to an extent. And I do have concerns about, you know, is he, how much of it is that he's dominant? I think part of it's, he, you know, he's got the tools you're looking for. He's got requisite athletic skills. Maybe not a guy who's athletic enough to play the wide zone of Mike LaFleur, but, you know, I think with Nathaniel Hackett, we'll see more of an inside zone, which, you know, similar concepts, but he doesn't probably want to travel as far. He won't have to move as much. I think he can handle that perfectly. Again, I like the technical. I think technically he's pretty refined. I think he's good at reading things in front of him. And with a presumably veteran quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, um, he'll have less on his plate because typically the blocking assignments, it's kind of a tandem deal between the quarterback and the center. So with a younger quarterback, you may want a more experienced center with an older quarter, you know, with an older quarterback, you can get away with a cent with a rookie center. So all that comes into play. And those are things that are, that are positives, but I do, I do wonder a little bit. And again, he's got the technical refinement you're looking for, but I do wonder how much of the dominance was just based on him being the oldest player on the field? Because, you know, when you're 23, you're playing against guys two, three, two, three years younger than you. That makes a big... Wisconsin's a pretty intriguing prospect in his own right, and we'll talk about him as we continue on this Thursday episode of the... I don't have all the details yet, but the excitement is real, and it's something you won't want to miss. So mark your calendars and head to built.com. ...who are strong, who, who really dominate athletic tests... Joe Tipman is unusual for a center in that he's 6'6", he's 313 pounds, and he moves. I mean, this guy can move. And, you know, I talked about Kevin Mawai a little bit earlier. Now, if you were a fan during the Mawai days, you remembered what a thing of beauty it was when Mawai pulled at the center position. That's not something that's that common. And that is why the Jets chose 
Joe Tipman over the mistake in round two. Only the New York Giants is stupid enough to do that. But anyway, time is running out on this episode of this podcast. Now, this might be a two-part. On the second episode, I'm going to talk about that goddamn corner they drafted. And get some insight on that. Goodbye for now.